Hello and a very warm welcome to another episode of the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Coming up, an employee is behaving in a way that you find to be unacceptable, for example, by not flushing the toilet at work. Would this give you solid grounds to safely dismiss? Keep listening to find out. Plus, the health and safety executive have found that 65% of businesses recently inspected were falling short of legal requirements. We explain what you can do to protect your business from enforcement action. You're listening to Tips and Advice for Business, the weekly podcast that trawls through the latest business news, legislation and case law, distilling often complex legal and tax requirements into bite-sized advice and realistic solutions to everyday challenges. And all this in just a few short minutes, because we know that your time is precious. The Tips and Advice for Business podcast is freely available on all the usual platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon and Deezer and is brought to you by those ever so nice people at Indicator FL Memo. For supporting information, please visit indicator-flm.co.uk. Your host today is Duncan Callow, solicitor and publisher. So, the curious case of the toilet that wasn't flushed and why it ended in an employment tribunal claim. What's the story? Well, an employee who was sacked after he used his work toilet when a cleaner was present and then failed to flush afterwards has lost his tribunal claim for unfair dismissal. Why were there solid grounds for a safe dismissal in this case? Well, let's look at the facts. Mr. C had been employed by a business that we'll call T as an assembler since October 2013. T's workplace cleaning was outsourced to an external company which took place during the working day. In July of 2019, T received a complaint from two cleaners about numerous incidents of inappropriate behaviour by one of T's employees. This turned out to be, no great surprise, Mr C. The cleaners alleged that C had routinely ignored their toilet cleaning signs, ignored their repeated requests to use other toilet facilities instead of the ones that were being cleaned, deliberately used the urinals when they were in the middle of cleaning them, and used the toilet cubicle with a door wide open in front of the female cleaner and then failed to flush. Yeah, it's really quite extreme behaviour. And in fact, the cleaners felt that C's behaviour amounted to harassment as his conduct was unwanted and it had created a hostile, intimidating and offensive working environment for them. T then issued disciplinary proceedings during which C confirmed that he had used the toilets as, in, as alleged. When he was challenged about his behaviour towards the cleaners, C asked the investigator if he was being told that he, open inverted commas, could not take a dump at work, close inverted commas. However, C could not offer any reason for his behaviour or why he had insisted on taking his comfort breaks in front of the cleaners. He was suspended and later sacked for using the toilet in front of the female cleaner, which T felt was a highly inappropriate act. Yeah, absolutely. C then, can you believe it, issued a claim for unfair dismissal, but the tribunal has sided with T, finding that his behaviour amounted to harassment and was indeed an act of gross misconduct. Alleluia for the tribunal. Now, whilst you probably won't encounter an employee who behaves like C did, Employees should know that their behaviour towards third parties, such as contractors, can constitute harassment. In some situations, it may even be a criminal offence. 
And in this case, the cleaners had wanted to, had wanted to involve the police. Now, when you provide dignity at work training, don't limit examples of unacceptable behaviour to scenarios that only involve colleagues. You could make staff aware of their responsibilities towards third parties too. Now, remember that whilst dignity at work training isn't a legal requirement, you won't be able to avail yourself of the so-called reasonable steps defence in a tribunal claim if you don't provide it to staff. Where such training is provided, always keep a record of the date it was delivered, the attendees and what was covered. So to summarise, the employee's behaviour in this case amounted to harassment and this meant that the employer could sack him for gross misconduct. It's important to note that where you do provide dignity dignity at work training, don't limit this to employees, but include third parties too. Hope you found this very helpful and will help shape your dealings with uh, misconduct by your employees, even if not quite as gross as in this case. Now, no business relishes the prospect of a visit from the health and safety executive, but it seems that after a more than two-year hiatus, the enforcement body is actually increasing its inspection activity. Uh, and, in, and in fact, during recent inspections, 65% of businesses visited were found to be in breach of the law. What are the key risk areas you need to be aware of to avoid enforcement action? Well, according to the HSC uh, press release, 22 inspectors visited 71 businesses in the Sheffield and Rotherham area. The visits covered businesses in metal fabrication, engineering, general manufacturing and waste and recycling. 46 companies were found to be wanting. Inspectors served three prohibition notices and 31 improvement notices. Breaches found included poor control of welding fumes and metalworking fluids. A further 23 businesses received a formal letter which required them to make improvements. What can you learn from this? Well, effectively, the HSE is picking up where it left off two years ago. When its inspectors were last out in force, and we're not just talking about in Yorkshire but across the country, welding fumes and other chemical-related risks, such as the use of metalworking fluids, were top of the agenda. The campaigns were based upon what was then relatively new guidance. For example, the change of rules, which means that welders should use respiratory protection when working in certain environments. Now, the HSC has produced explicit guidance documents that identify the standards expected. Amongst other things, they detail when local exhaust ventilation and respiratory protection respiratory protective equipment should be worn. You can get hold of this just by visiting the HSE website. So as a tip here, if you haven't done so already, it's certainly worth checking that your arrangements are in line with these documents. If they're not, based on the experiences of the businesses hit by the recent HSC campaign blitz, you'll find yourself on the wrong end of enforcement action. It seems that the focus is currently on health-related risks such as welding fumes and chemicals. So if you're in sectors where those risks are prevalent, it's incumbent, incumbent upon you to take or to put in place the necessary uh, risk mitigation measures. Anyway, we hope you found all this very helpful. Uh, the bad news is that we've reached the end of another episode of the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. But don't worry, we'll be back again soon. And next time... With fuel prices continuing their upward trend, you're noticing that staff are saying that HMRC's approved mileage rates for business use of their own cars are just not enough. 
they're out of pocket. What can you do that won't come with a tax and NI charge? Plus, if you're the director of a limited company, you probably assume that you're protected by its limited liability status. But is that always the case? We explain the reality and what you can do to protect your position. But for now, thanks for sharing your time with us and goodbye. You've been listening to the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Every week we trawl through the latest business news, legislation and case law, distilling often complex legal and tax requirements into bite-sized tips, advice and solutions. For more information about our products and services, please visit indicator-flm.co.uk. 